everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry. This is Haley. We have a lot of news to talk about today. <laughs> a lot of news to talk about today. We do. It's a busy week. A busy genre week, and I'm mighty thankful for it. Yeah, happy to see it. It's been a slow few months in, in the genre sphere, but I feel like you couldn't ask for a like literally and metaphorically bigger return than Godzilla versus Kong. That is for sure. And it, it looks like there's no signs of the genre slowing down from here on out, especially with uh, some theaters starting to open up and some big releases happening. We're getting some big trailers now. There's a lot of good stuff here. Do we want to start with um, the Godzilla bo- Godzilla versus Kong box office, which oh, seems like a, like a big opening? Big box office, big genre. Big old beefy monster boys. As someone who loves doing box office predictions, let me tell you, seeing this story made me so, so happy. So it is doing mighty well at the box office right now. Yes. It is at, well, I mean, these aren't, let me, let me open up box office mojo because these numbers aren't accurate to the exact moment that we are recording this episode, which is fair. I should have thought about that before, but. Well, while you look those up, I just was excited to see once again, having been on the weekend shift before and spending, spending a number of months writing up box office headlines. I was happy to see all the like theaters roar back to life. Godzilla versus Kong stomps at the box. I was like, yay, the puns are back. This article is actually fairly accurate uh, to what what they have on Box Office Mojo. I love that I'm actually referring back to Box Office Mojo again. I feel like like that was a, you know, a a multi-stop website for me every single day. Like I was on that site all the time. And then I went a whole year without ever touching it. Now I'm back on it again. So. Godzilla versus Kong snatched a new record with $32 million only in the U.S. in the three day in the three days of the weekend, which is a new high for our uh, our current pandemic circumstances. Then if we want to look at the global box office, I mean, geez, this one is in mighty good shape. So at the point of this recording, the movie has made forty eight point five million dollars domestic when you tack on the international box office total you come out to 285.8 million dollars worthwhile worth worth jesus <laughs> Friday worldwide and that that's like a legit sum there that's yeah. a big number well and obviously of course with the current circumstances it is still i'm still adjusting to like a film like that making that much money and being like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. But it is right now. It's huge. Yeah, just to break it down for you a little further, if you want to know, the 32 million was a three day and then it was a holiday weekend. So that five day total was the 48.5 million domestically. So this is looking looking pretty good. I mean, I kind of want to get greedy right now and say I'm curious to know what the stats are for HBO Max and how the film performed for them. But even if I got those stats from Warner Brothers, I don't know what they would mean. So I know, I know. Damn it, Netflix. Such a bad precedent was set. And now we are forever clueless and beholden to whatever these companies decide to tell us. Who's going to step in and be the uh, third party, you know, the, the other entity to fix that? 
Who's going to be box office mojo or Nielsen of streaming service numbers? They're out there. It's just not verified, you know? It, it's like yeah. there are services that watch and track people's numbers, but it, you don't get them from in-house, so you don't get mm-hmm. them confirmed. And It's mighty frustrating to me, but didn't they say something meaningless, like it was the most streamed of some time period? I don't know. Like we said, all that stuff is like just made up to whatever they want to tell you. Especially when they uh, they kind of make up their their titles like the most streamed in X amount of hours or, you know, something of the sorts. Exactly what I meant. Yeah. Don't entirely. What what counts as a stream? How many minutes did people watch? It's all very, very uh, suspect. Yeah. I don't doubt that a bunch of people watched it. Oh, neither do I. Um, Usually I, I gauge how big a movie will be depending on how much of my family will like because you know i'll watch everything but if uh lonnie and her husband are putting on godzilla versus kong i got to imagine that there's there's some widespread interest there and and sure enough they did watch it did they like it i never actually followed up so i was at their house for for dinner and then i stayed for a little of it and then had to come home because i go to bed like a grandma and it was too late so I have not followed up since I left, but the first uh, act of the movie was playing very well. I stayed for the uh, the boat scene. Good, good, good. Good and break. I find myself away from the TV. <laughs> well, very, very excited to see it. And there's a lot of prognosticating, obviously, after something like this sets this kind of a record about like what it means for the future of theaters. And um, I definitely still think it's too early to take much from one film that's like the re-entry film uh but i'll be intrigued to see how those numbers shake out as we see a continued like uh you know double approach between streaming and theatrical and theaters are actually open in more places i mean i think we're going to get a better sense of it when mortal Kombat comes out because that's right around the corner now i think it was a smart idea for them to push that back a week because if the numbers were this big for Godzilla versus Kong, one could assume that the box office totals are only going to get bigger and bigger as we go along. So pushing it back could actually make a fairly big difference at this point. So if that number is, you know, maybe not as high because we're comparing to we're com- we're comparing Mortal Kombat to the Godzilla and Kong franchise. But if the, the numbers are still respectable, I have a feeling it's going to be a good sign for all the big releases coming out in May and beyond. Very curious. So next story here is another Godzilla versus Kong story. And I am looking at an article from Dread Central, which is referring to the Real Blend podcast. And they spoke to Adam Wingard, who explained that Toho had one major demand when it came to the portrayal of their beloved kaiju in Godzilla versus Kong. And apparently that one rule was no emoting. We, t- we talked about this a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, we talked about our feelings about the emotionlessness, but we didn't, I didn't at that point know that it was like a Toho came from the top. Type yeah. Here, here's the quote from Wingard. One of the rules, for instance, is that they don't want Godzilla to emote. They see him as like this godlike force of nature. And so to them, it's out of character if you have him reacting in a normal way to things. But there's always ways around that. We definitely have some moments where I think Godzilla is more emotive in this film than he has been in any of the Monster Universe movies. 
I love when ads just pop up and completely make me lose my uh, place. Love it. But I get it. I get it. Not calling out Dread Central. I'll get it. We just had to get clever with it. And I think that sometimes that stuff is kind of presented to you in a in a very kind of brick wall kind of way. But if you just do certain things and present it to them just right, and if they're on board with the movie, they seem to give us plenty of leeway. I, I think that makes sense. You know, I'm always rooting for uh, directors and creators in general not to be restricted in any way, especially if Wingard felt that an emotional Godzilla was important to the story he was creating. But I do understand that idea in order to keep the character consistent from film to film. Totally. It makes sense. I think that uh, as we discussed last week, oh my God, that was only last week. Um I think it works for the movie ultimately that he is more emotionless and Kong it carries sort of the emotional journey of the movie and I definitely think they they found their moments to sneak a little bit of personality in there but I get it you don't want like I I get why that that mentality is there because you don't want Godzilla all of a sudden to be like I don't know like throwing finger guns or like hey like it's a cheeky Godzilla nobody nobody wants that yeah yeah I get it I get it (laughs) Now I do actually want to see Godzilla throwing finger guns. I take it back. That sounds delightful. It does sound delightful. <laughs> Maybe in a different a different franchise, a different format, like an animated Godzilla. I could see that. Right. We have another Adam Wingard story on the table today. Because obviously he's busy making the rounds, talking mm. about Godzilla versus Kong and anything else he's working on right now. And this is a this is a cool thing he said to THR during an interview. He told them. Instead of doing a direct sequel to the guest, we might do a limited series for it as a sequel. But again, it's just not where our heads are at. So uh, he did. He did add a little, a little something. Should we? Should we keep going? Should we keep no, reading? There's a little bit more. All right. So. Even though I don't have a guest sequel, Simon and I have talked about it. We don't have necessarily something that we're excited about yet per se, but I've talked to Dan about it. Recently, I've seen Dan, sorry, Ed. Recently, I've seen Dan once a week and we just hang out and chill. So we've talked about it a lot, but there's nothing concrete. But I will say that we do have a a very special guest sequel that I'm working on in an unconventional way. It has to do with the music from the guest. So there is going to be a big guest thing coming up really soon that I think is going to thrill people. Curious. That is curious. Should I read the last block too? Eh, Might as well. All right. Last block. The guest was a slow burn cult classic. It's a movie that was pretty largely unknown when it came out. It did well critically, but it didn't really pick up until last year. During the pandemic, when it was re-released on Netflix, it really made a big splash with audiences finally. People finally started seeing it, and it was the number one movie on Netflix for a little bit. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all, especially... Dan Stevens wasn't not famous when it came out, but he wasn't known the way that he is now, especially with Netflix audiences through Eurovision. How do you interpret what he's teasing regarding an unconventional guest sequel through the music? Like as in just making a completely different movie with no strict ties to the guest story and just creating a, a like a similar soundtrack? I don't, I think it's going to be something doofier than that. I don't know, yeah. some sort of soundtrack re-release event or something. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. If we weren't in the time we were in, I would think it was some sort of like concert situation. 
I, uh, I should emphasize that it, it, based on the way the quote is formatted, it seems that Wingard might have used the word guest sequel and put sequel in air quotes, perhaps, because sequel does have quotes around it here. So I, I think I might have taken it too literally then. Interesting. I mean, I think your version sounds way more interesting, but hopefully we'll get something like that with the limited series. I know it's not the top of their brain, but you know me, anyone who listens regularly, I am always like, but what about if we did a series instead? I just said that about Hollow Earth last week. It does seem like something that kind of calls for it too, because, you know, I I know, yeah, it did get its uh, extra little boost from the Netflix release, but it was still a pretty widely talked about film in the genre community. And I still think that even in the years before it was on Netflix, there was a lot of, uh, there, there was a very eager community and group of fans that wanted more of this, uh, this world that they created. So I feel like the one, two punch of that having built since its release and then it coming out on Netflix is probably going to justify someone out there putting the money behind it in order to make it happen. It's just that Wingard's so busy right now. I just don't know what he's prioritizing. Makes sense. I, I think the the little note that he and Dan hang out a lot is, first of all, adorable, but yeah. also a good sign to that it, it is probably more likely to happen if they're still in regular contact. That is that is very true. I do. I do hope he's working on face off ASAP, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, if it was you, wouldn't you be unless studio interference got in the way? That's like that's got to be a priority. Yeah. Yeah. Now my brain's doing the dumb thing where I'm like, I wonder if this means Dan Stevens is in face off. Why oh. are they hanging out so much? He would be great in face off. Yeah. I, I still like some, like, I wouldn't know who to pair him with off the top of my head right now. I mean, I guess actually, if you want two people with, you know, like a, a similar build and look, you could do Dan Stevens and Boyd Holbrook. Oh, wow. You really could. You <laughs> definitely could. So we've got we've got Dan Stevens and Boyd Holbrook. We've got Vanessa Kirby and Samara Weaving. And then what was the other one? I believe it was was it Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith? Yes. Vote for which one you want or hit us up on Twitter and tell us about it. I'm actually like maybe I'll make a poll or something. I don't know. Yes, I, I want them all. Faces. I was just I, I have uh, face off on the brain because of the Margaret Cho ladies night. So I rewatched it for the first time in, in quite a while. And man, that movie is still like batshit kooky and in a way that I just can't get enough of it's a whole lot of fun they're so good in it they really everybody uh everybody's on 11 and I appreciate it so Wingard has let's just throw in a potential guest um limited series that's what he referred to it as right yeah limited series we have that we have a face-off remake and then also Thundercats right I think the isn't the face off thing a I hate this but like a reboot more didn't they say it was set in the same universe as the first film I mean do we really have firm definitions of reboot (laughs) remake no but I don't like getting yelled at about it so I always try to be very clear all right no that's that's fair people because no and I agree we don't have firm definitions of those things and it would probably be useful if we did and that's what how are we all the terms on the table. It's it's reboot remake. Isn't reboot cool a thing? Reboot cool, re- revival, reimagining. Reimagining is the other one I was trying to think of. Yeah, there's a lot lots to process. Yeah, I and 
It's one I, of those for sure. I can only tell you the difference between a small handful of them, but not all. <laughs> reboot reboot cool really throws me for a loop. And there are, are there are some other projects that I'm like, I don't remember if he's still attached or if it was the past. Isn't there Thundercats? Isn't that fairly recent? Yeah, that was. I feel like that's something that might have been reported beforehand, but it might have been confirmed recently because that didn't sound like the newest news when I heard it. There's too many things. Which, you know, it's a good thing for an individual, but it's, you know, it's it's tough when you'd prefer one over the other now, now, now. And there's there's so many things on the table. So another one that was uh, it's been quite a minute since our last report on it at least was the uh amazon's event horizon show shit yeah right oh i want that too <laughs> why is this so hard why doesn't everybody have all the time and money to make all the things what is this i get it <laughs> one thing at a time take your time do it well i'll be patient kind of all right next story yeah we have a new Army of the Dead poster. I just like talking about this movie because I'm really excited about it. <laughs> it's a cool poster. It is a cool poster. I was like, what do I want to put a poster in our potential stories to talk about? Because there's nothing to say except that it's a poster, but it just is so colorful and fun looking. Yeah. I like you're, it. You're definitely right. Um, it's it's beautiful. I feel like the the two uh, promotional campaigns in 2021 that I could just stare at all day. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if if I'm seeing footage, I'll just stare at posters or still images. It's Army of the Dead and the Suicide Squad. Makes sense. I just very vibrant. I just absolutely love it. I mean, the interesting thing about Army of the Dead also is that it's going to hit select theaters. Mm hmm. I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah, that's, well, that's always been an interesting thing in the Netflix realm. Yeah. They still obviously are figuring out how they want to approach it. And now they're doing some things, some shows week to week, which I find interesting and such a shakeup for them. What shows are week to week? I, they're doing The Circle, I believe. Really? Uh, I believe so. Week oh, to no. week? And I'm like, am I full of shit? I don't think I'm full oh, of shit. Um, I'm all right. I'm vaguely remembering this now because um, I didn't cover the circle last year, but I did cover because that's that's the dating show one, right? Um, I don't I'm not familiar with the show. I know that Too Hot to Handle, I believe, is the dating one, which is getting also multi-week releases. Okay. So I'm not full of shit in this instance. Part of me does remember with Too Hot to Handle, which I did cover. I can't I honestly can't remember right now if this is just the bulk that I received my screeners in, or if they, I think they really released it this way, but where I got half of the episodes and then at a point they released the other half of the episodes. So you could still have the binge, but you had to wait for the second round of the binge. Interesting. And that was the show or your screeners? I'm I'm looking on, uh, I'm looking on Wikipedia right now just to see if they have the release dates there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the way that they released the show. Interesting. Yeah, they do it for the circle. Actually, maybe, maybe not, because I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and it says that original release dates for all eight episodes of that first season was April seventeenth. Okay, so 
that makes more sense because I thought this was kind of a new thing for them. They're doing episodes, episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. Wisconsin came through. Uh, they're doing episodes one to four on April 14th, five to eight on April 21st, nine to 12 on April 28th, and then the season mm. on May 5th for the circle. So it's kind of a new, interesting thing that's like in opposition to their traditional release format. And just curious because that, that release format, like, revolutionized how things were done what's the other one that i'm forgetting and i loved it it was i loved it more than too hot to handle it was too hot to handle the circle and there was one other in between and it was about you you had to get engaged to someone without seeing them oh boy <laughs> love is blind that's love what it is, is. are they not doing another season of love is blind that i don't know i want to see that i would think so it was such a hit right i I loved it. It was like, I think it was one of the last big reality show hits before we went into lockdown because I remember that those contestants were all like out and about in Hollywood at the premieres and everything. Okay, so there definitely will be a new season. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, were, they renewed it for a second and third season. Yes, they did. My goodness, now that's I a hit. hit. Pumped. Oh, great. Now I have to go Instagram stalk all the contestants. I haven't thought about them <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've cleared that up yes that cool. uh, I mean, looks cool i guess is where this all started how about this collector collector Ooh. update here yeah i'm pretty excited i might leave this in your hands a little more i'm not the biggest collector fan so oh. we got information via movie web the Collected, which is the third film of the Collector trilogy, might not be happening after all, as the filmmakers claim they are being ignored by producers. Apparently, they they spoke about this, uh, spoke about uh, their very own development hell in The Thing with Two Heads, a podcast, and they are not happy and they're disappointed that their trilogy might not get a conclusion. Um, we have a quote here. This is from, this is a Marcus Dunstan quote. He said, I invested in this thing. I'd like to know what's happening. We stopped hearing from anybody with the production. I know most of the props I, I brought there, Vancouver's set, have been stolen. I don't, I don't know if I, I said that correctly. I know most of the, the props I brought there, I guess, to the Vancouver set have been stolen. I would think that anybody else who invested in this movie that thinks that it, as in the collection, is happening, wouldn't they like to know what's happening? All calls and emails have gone unanswered. When you can't get anyone on the phone and you don't hear anything at this point, I'm really pissed off. I understand why you're pissed off. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know the details of the behind the scenes and you know what was promised as far as uh, you know the movie being produced or not, but... This sounds very frustrating. Yeah. So they says they stopped shooting in 2019 and they shot for eight days. So very little. Uh, they want to finish it. They're not producers. It's really, really interesting situation. I would love to know more about why it was shut down, what happened. But um, I mostly, as you were expressing, just have tremendous empathy for the filmmakers unless they were shut down for any, you know, obvious wrongdoing of their own, because that's such a frustrating situation to 
be in. And like, at that point, it's like that thing where just like, should I move on? Like, let them know if they should move on. I don't know that feeling of being stuck in something you put so much of yourself into. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, limited perspective here, but based on this, this quote, it does sound like they have invested, you know, some of their own resources into this production. So, you know, I I would feel for them if they're in a position where, you know, personal resources are tied up in something where they don't now have the option to move on. I don't know. It's, it's a strange one. It, um, I, for what it's worth, I'm not like the hugest collector fan either as Mm -hmm. you're indicating, but I thought the sequel was very fun in the way that it just fully embraced being a sequel. It Mm -hmm. was like, you know, all the, the bigger and more deadly and more guns and all of that stuff that we like have built in our, to our brains from like the great sequels, like aliens and stuff. It totally embraced that wholeheartedly. And I thought it was a blast. I don't, for some reason, I don't remember the sequel all that well. I feel like it has like a whole, I think, I don't know if it's a SWAT team or a mercenary team, but they got like guns and as you're describing it more, I feel like I've, I vaguely can recall things. Like I know I've seen them both, but I've never been one to, to rewatch those movies for whatever reason. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they are a type of horror. That's not necessarily my vibe so much with the traps and whatnot. Um, Yeah. But I do enjoy the, the, in particular, the home invasion element of the first one. Well, because of what you just said, I'm going to shake up our order here because now I got a really good transition. So thanks for that. (laughs) Speaking of traps, Uh uh let's talk about our... Probably should have because Dunstan and Melton do Saw movies anyway. So we should. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. All right. It's Friday. It's Friday. We've got some Saw news. Let's, Let's talk about this little thing first because this is kind of exciting. Um... Saw is going to be available in 4K Ultra HD for the very first time. Uh, It's going to be available on May 11th, 4K Ultra HD combo pack, uh, plus Blu-ray and digital. That is, that's very exciting. That's that's something that I would genuinely want to watch. I, I think it's great. And I love the first Saw movie. And my instinct at first is like, oh my goodness, of all the movies I wouldn't want to see in Ultra HD, but that one's actually not the one that's filled with mangling and no, such no, no. more in your head than anything. Looks like they've got some some info on the extras too. Um, better image, sound quality, and the extras will include Saw the original short film, Hacking Away at Saw, in which cast and crew recount behind-the-scenes stories about the production, alternate storyboard sequence, and the theatrical trailer. I wonder I wonder how many of those are new, though, at this point. That's a very good question. Um, so I would want to see this. I, I would still want to see the movie in 4K. This is actually... I, I can't quite remember why, but I... Uh, I watched this when I first arrived in New York because my parents had never seen it. And that sounds weird, but my parents like horror movies. So we do watch this kind of stuff together. So I put it on and and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how much my mom liked it. It's a good movie. And it's not, it isn't what you think of as the franchise's legacy of over the top gore that makes you cover your face. Like it, there's, it mostly sets up traps that make you think about what would happen if they go off rather than showing you in explicit graphic detail what does happen well i think she was hesitant to put it to put it on at the time because you know i mean the the surface level uh thing about saw is that it's a torture porn movie right 
And I think she was pleasantly surprised by the fact that the first one very much is not that. No, it's like, it's just a super violent, dark, like neo-noir. And I yeah. dig it. Here, here's some more accurate information about what you'll get on this rendition of the film. So besides the original film, the behind the scenes documentary Game Changer, The Legacy of Saw is also going to be available in 4K. Uh, making it a double feature that tells us about how the project was put together. The 4K disc of Saul will also include the audio commentary recorded by James Wan, Lee Whannell, and Carrie Elwes. A second commentary track by producers Mark Berg, Greg Hoffman, and Oren Cools. I don't know if I pronounced his last name right, will be available as well. Again, I think that like that just sounds like it's, you know, either the 4K version of something we've seen before or just something we've heard before. I don't know. It sounds like a cool release, though. I'm here's and insert Haley's yay for commentaries rant, whether it's an old commentary or new one, or I just want all commentaries to be as accessible as possible at all times. That's fair, because I feel like I'm sitting here like I've heard that commentary before. I don't remember a single thing I heard on that. I don't remember something I heard five minutes ago. Right. And I don't know what version of Saw I own or if it's already on it. Maybe it is. But how long has it been since I looked at that version of Saw, which is if I got this, I would immediately put it on different perspective. Obviously, like I'm not trying to say that studios should just charge whatever for repackaged content. The selling Mm -hmm. point here is the 4K release. Yes. But uh, I do. I am a fan of accessibility. I will second that. All right. Do you want to hit our new, like our big news story pertaining to the franchise? Yeah, do it. This is real freaking interesting. And I feel like the one-two punch of getting the latest trailer for Spiral and then this got me real, real hyped. And I know, don't get ahead of myself. I haven't seen the movie yet, but this was a very good combo to make me very excited to talk about Saw. Here we go. Lionsgate apparently is planning a Saw 10 before Spiral from the Book of Saw comes out. This information comes from the latest issue of Production Weekly, which was caught by Bloody Disgusting. And apparently that issue lists Saw X, Saw 10, as a project in active development. It's going to be produced by James Wan, who, of course, has been an executive producer for every movie in the franchise since he directed that first Saw movie. And that's pr- that's pretty much what we got. <laughs> what we got. I mean, I I don't even know actually how to where I fall on the lines of like, does it mean they have tremendous faith in what they have, or is this just they know their big big money horror franchise and has been for however many years now? I. Uh, again, I don't want to give anybody false information. This is my interpretation of this announcement and when we're getting it. I read it as, yes, they have a lot of faith in Spiral. I think they probably have a good movie there and they're banking on that right now. I feel like I've been I've been thinking a lot about this lately because, you know, I was working on that Naomi Scott uh, ladies night. Yeah. And we got to talking about Power Rangers, which was also a Lionsgate film. And in that movie's case, before the movie even hit theaters, before the 2017 Power Rangers even hit theaters, the CEO over there on an analyst call said, yeah, we're hoping to make many more Power Rangers movies. I I think he phrased it as we're going to make 
maybe five or six or seven more before <laughs> the movie even came out. You don't yeah. do that. This, however, specifying Saw 10 as being in active development is probably a smart move if you think you have a good product that could really catch at the box office and beyond. And i that's how I'm reading this right now. It's all so intriguing. And i it's one of the things that it, I like don't even want to put too much hype on because it's too easy, easy to hype up. And I'm not even the biggest Saw franchise fan in the world. It's just, I think it's to me, when obviously when Chris Rock was attached, you're immediately like, what? Okay, yes. But then I think it was Christina did an interview with Chris Rock for Fargo and asked him how it happened. And he basically was like at a wedding with the Lionsgate guy and giving him a hard time for the Saw movies. And he was like, well, then you write one. So then they did. Jeez. Which is hilarious to me. I'm I'm mighty impressed. Yeah. I'm so curious. I'm so excited for it, too. That's the kind of random energy I like in my, you know, ninth film in a franchise. (laughs) I'll I'll give you that. And like, again, that last trailer was good. It was really good. I think it 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 kind of, you know, hit the perfect balance between holding tight to, you know, themes and visuals and ideas that we love from pre- previous iterations of the franchise, but also I'm trying to think of a way to say this where it's not necessarily putting the other films down, but there there's like a level of quality. <laughs> there's a level of quality and, and and texture and and real life grittiness that I think that trailer suggests that that movie has whereas I think that those movies got, you know, glossier and glossier yeah. and Hollywood horror as the series went along. So that's what I was thinking as you were describing it is this sort of like, and it's not a Saw specific thing. This happens to most horror franchises when they're like five, six films in. The individual identity of the tone and style gets lost in this Hollywoodization of product almost. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, it. they tend to look more saleable, more marketable, whatever you want to call it. And that is not what I got from this last trailer at all. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like this, this release in particular cannot come soon enough. I'm very excited about it. And I am really, really trying to force myself not to get too hyped up because I am not the biggest Saw franchise fan after a certain point. I've seen them all. I, I, I watch them multiple times for some reason, even the ones that I'm like, no, this one's not my favorite. I guess I'll watch it again anyway. Yeah. But it's very rare for me to like actually watch a Saw movie and be like, oh yes, that's it. There's there's something about not even necessarily Saw specifically, but the pick them off kind of horror movie where you have kill set piece, kill set piece, kill set piece. That makes it very easy to just fall into step and say, you know, I'm going to keep watching it. It's like, to be completely honest with you, I know how much I despise the fourth Final Destination movie. I think it's a shit movie and I'm mad that it's part of the franchise. Will I ever turn that movie off when it's on? No, (laughs) but I think it's a terrible movie, but I can't stop watching it. Yeah. So yeah. I get you. And what I do like, um, I think this is also from those same quotes was he mentioned like Chris Rock, what he was saying to that, the executive was like you need some humor in your movies like three jokes would make a movie so much better and 
He's right. And I think a big problem I have with some of the saw installments that don't work for me is they're relentlessly mean, feel bad. Oh yeah. No fun whatsoever movies. That is a very accurate point there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited, but trying not to be too excited. Probably the way to go about it, just in case you never know, but I still have faith. Right. I, I was there opening day for Jigsaw in yeah. a movie theater in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I, I went as I well. That again. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a bummer. Yeah, I was yeah. really looking forward to that. All right, next story. American Horror Story? Yeah. This is kind of cool. All right, yeah. so Ryan Murphy was on Instagram and he wrote, the American Horror Story universe is expanding comment on which story you would like to see the most. And then he listed six options, Aliens, Xmas Horror, Bloody Mary, Sirens, Piggy Man, and Plague. Hashtags there are AHS10 and AHS Double Feature are included in the mix. So just interesting. What do you, what do you make of this, Haley? Hard pass on Plague. Thank you. <laughs> Please. Please and thank uh, you. But I would love, and I can't believe I haven't independently thought about this before. I would love to see a Christmas horror season of American Horror Story. I was surprised that more comments were not rooting for that one. After a brief scroll, it does seem like Sirens is is a favorite. I was also surprised to see Sirens on here because I thought that that's what the new season was going to be about i almost feel like is he is he, is he gaming people I, I think he i think he is and yeah. that, that's why i was kind of emphasizing the hashtags there because i was just you know i'm you know for all i know he's just promoting the new season but i'm also trying to read into it you know does this does this pertain to the new season at all or is it just a general thing for the show and i, I, I think that was purposely placed <laughs> yeah i, think, I agree I think that was planted for us, but I, I'm with you. I want the I want the Christmas horror one. I think in general, this industry doesn't have enough Christmas horror productions, whether it's uh, TV or film. And then on top of that, I think about what the series has already done with Christmas horror and the Ian McShane episode of Asylum is hands down one of my favorite, not even just of that season, but of all time. Yeah, I. Well, yes, I also I think Asylum is a whole heap of fun speaking about aliens um but yeah it's messy but it's fun it was before the show officially started really making me angry um something i've always wanted to see and i feel like this show could totally pull it off would was a show that would embrace the entire holiday season and play out in time with it so like building up horror interest through the halloween lead-in and then carrying it through the fall and then leading into a Christmas horror segment. I would just okay. like to see that. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing that too. And that way you get like, I don't, I, this kind of came out of me always wishing because there is so little great Christmas horror. Um, what if I had a show that I could experience like Christmas feels with through the whole month of December, not just for two hours, you know? Yeah. The only... The only slight fear I had when Ryan Murphy posted this was what if the big surprise was, hey, guys, you're getting all six in this one season. Like, no, that's kind no. of what I thought, too. <laughs> Don't do it. 
don't do it. It sounds like American Horror Story. I know. I know. I know. I do get, yeah, that's exactly where my head went, kind of. All right. I'm glad I'm not alone on that. And that would mean we just get like one tiny bit of Christmas horror. Yeah, like I don't want one tiny bit of any of these. If you're going to explore any of them, I want I want some, you know, like an in-depth situation with some layers to it. Yeah, we shall see. Yep, we shall see. And here's another one that we shall see about in the near future. Here's a new headline for you. Naomi Watts to star in the Goodnight Mommy remake for Amazon Studios. So this is a very interesting one here. It's going to be a co-production between Amazon Animal Kingdom and Playtime. We've got, is it Matt Sobel or Zobel? Oh, you know, I don't know how to say anything. Yeah, I don't don't know either. Um, But he's directing and it's from a script by Kyle Warren. The remake will be produced by a whole bunch of people. And Watts is going to serve as an executive producer alongside uh, the directors of the original Goodnight Mommy, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz. And I do know theirs. <laughs> I do know their names. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful. Admittedly, Goodnight Mommy isn't my favorite movie ever. I, I thought it was a very well done movie. And I think you could see signs of their potential all over the place. But I think that was one of those situations where I was so late to the Goodnight Mommy game that it, it had been a little overhyped. Yeah, and yeah. when I picked up on what was happening a little too early on for my taste, the movie just didn't wow me as much. But I do think that it's got a lot of potential in, in remake land and especially with Naomi Watts in that role. I mean, she's amazing. She's also becoming a queen of horror remakes at this point, uh, which I will respect, especially for somebody like at the caliber she is in her career. I just think it's cool that she keeps going back to horror every now and again. And she's just got such range on her resume. Like I can't, but like every single day, it feels like I'm talking about a Naomi Watts movie that's so entirely different from the last one I saw. Yeah, she's she's got some skills, but I'm I'm with you. You know, that's not my movie. Um, everybody knows I don't trust kids anyway, so that stuff doesn't really work for me. Um, but I like her. I am always happy to see a showcase for her, especially in genre. Mm-hmm. I'm super curious how you do that film as a good remake given that I think half of the audience figured it out halfway through anyway and now everybody knows what it is um I figured it out in the opening sequence that makes sense that makes a lot of sense (laughs) yeah I mean it's still it's still a beautifully shot movie but I do I I do like Zobel or Zobel um I like his work and Mm -hmm. that to me suggests that at least they'll be making the right decision to keep it really character grounded yep that is that is one big ask I have of that movie. It's the and only way it can work. I I'm I'm eager to see it. I'm always rooting for Naomi Watts. Yeah. Um, another story here is a new movie over at A24, and it is a slasher movie called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. They acquired the spec script for this one three years ago. And at the time, the script was said to show 
heightened sensitivity to character development and social dynamics in a subversive way. And it was also described as a shrewd character study where mystery and deep-seated scares blended in such a way that the company saw an opportunity to make a horror movie that could also be culturally relevant. That sounds like a whole bunch of gobbledygook to me. That's a lot of words to say elevated horror. Yeah. I, Something I don't want to hear anyway. Yeah, I don't even. I got to go get my top hat and my monocle and we can talk about this. Yeah, later. really. But, uh, you know, the meat of this story is the fact that it is now going to star Maria Bakalova. She just Yay. scored a role in this and she will appear in it alongside Amanda Stenberg and also Pete Davidson. So that is quite the group right there. I think that's a, a stellar cast. And when it comes to Bakalova in particular, obviously I was wowed by her work in the new Borat movie. And I'm even more wowed by her run that she's had through award season. I was excited to see her get the Academy Award nomination for supporting actress. The big thing now is going to be, I feel like when you hit the scene and become so well known for something as specific as a Borat movie, now the questions are going to be, well, what can you do beyond a Borat movie? It's like right now I have um, I have Ilya Naishler and nobody on the brain. And it's like with him after Hardcore Henry, it's like, well, man, can you make a movie without a GoPro in the first person perspective? Yes, he could. And I have all the faith in the world that Maria Bakalova can do a ton of things beyond the Borat realm. So I'm, I'm rooting for her. I'm excited to see her next film after that. Well, I like her for horror because if there's one thing she proved for sure it's that she's fearless and she'll do whatever it takes to land the scene which is kind of what you need in a, a genre like horror which like comedy is the guttural one it's the one that makes you react against your will whether you're laughing or screaming you know you get a physical reaction out of them and it takes a performer who's willing to not be so vain a lot of the times so I'm I'm I love that fit and Everyone here knows I'm a big slut for A24 horror movies. So obviously I'm excited to see them try their hand at slasher. How is that not on a t-shirt yet? <laughs> Maybe this is how I make my fortune. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that t-shirt. <laughs> All right, into Chucky realm we go now. Okay. So we've got, we got a double dose of stories here. The first one is a little something you can watch on Twitter, I believe. If you check out the sci-fi Twitter account. They just have a, a little teaser. It's, uh, you know, uh, let me let me like play it without the sound. It's it's basically just the, you know, the inside of a Chucky and yeah. seeing it move and wield a knife. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. I feel like they could they could have done anything of the sorts. And I would have been excited just because I'm so pumped for this series. That's exactly where I'm at. It's definitively a teaser. Like there yes. is no trailer element to this. It's a teaser. It's, but, a, it's uh, a fun teaser, though. It's like if you yeah. care about the behind the scenes of all this and how they actually, you know, make those Chucky effects happen. It's pretty cool. It is cool. The whole thing. I like I like what I'm getting from this. I was already on board. Um, obviously, I think that if there's one way to get the horror community entirely on your side, it's to derail the last living franchise that like never got rebooted or changed and always had the same writer and derail it after one of its most inventive films put out the child's play reboot we got of course we're all going to follow over to this new tv uh -huh. show and you gave me a perfect segue to get into our next story because they're bringing back some key characters 
So Sci-Fi also revealed that Alex Vincent and Christina Lee McCarthy are going to return for the show. Of course, Vincent played Andy, the original kid from that very first movie. And then McCarthy was introduced in the second film as Andy's foster sister, Kyle. This is, if you want some fun facts, this is going to be the fifth time that Vincent is going to be a part of a child's play production. I mean, yeah, this is just like super cool. It all sounds like what I (laughs) I I want. I mean, I didn't hate the Child's Play movie. It's fine. But my part of mine there has always been there was no need for it to be Child's Play. It's just been a solid, unique story of its own. Um, This is clearly building from the franchise we love. It needs to be Chucky because it is about and by the Chucky family. Yeah. Like, and Don Mancini is involved. Brad Dorf yeah. is back voicing Chucky. Fiona Dorf is back. Uh, Jennifer Tilly is also coming back. And then on top of that, we get, you know, great new talent entering the, the franchise like Devin Sawa. I'll watch anything yeah. Devin Sawa does. Yes. Yay. And look at me getting my wish in a, in a, in a way that pissed me off at first, but they went and made it a series. Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) That is a, that's a very good point. Series are, series are very hot right now. Like as in series that continue a franchise so many years later, I, I think I have that on the brain right now because I'm very into Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which is not a, a genre show, but it, it, really do, it does feel like they're taking a, you know how much I love Cobra Kai. Yes. It feels like Mighty Ducks Game Changers is taking a slightly more PG approach, but you know, there we're only two episodes in, but I'm getting the sense that they're, they're they're doing similar things that are paying off. Yes, I agree. Very PG to the point that I watching it was like, oh right, I'm old. I'm no longer the target audience. Fair enough. But you're no, that's not true though, because the the, the other thing that I appreciate about game changers and also you know Cobra Kai and I guess anything else that does this is. It's, it's letting me grow with the franchise. It's like now maybe I'm watching with a with a more attentive eye to, you know, not that I'm necessarily Emilio Estevez's age, but like before watching Game Changers, I went back and I rewatched The Mighty Ducks and I view Gordon Bombay in a, in a different light and I'm paying more attention to what he's going through. And and now I find myself appreciating both that, that older generation and these kids. So I'm basically, you know, I'm having my cake and I'm eating it too. I'm, I'm growing up and I'm a little more concerned with the adult storylines, but at the same time, I'm tap, tapping into the nostalgia of it all through the kid cast. They're doing a great job. I don't mean it as a slide on the show. I just mean more so than what I've seen of Cobra Kai. I definitely was like, oh, I'm old. Who's your favorite new character? Huh. Ooh. Um, well, I uh I like the what do they call him? The wall or whatever. Uh Hoob. Hoob. I like him. Hoob. I like his quiet power. I like the weird chick with a sense of rage. Um I just watched them back to back yesterday. I don't know their names yet. Okay. But Nick, the outcast. Nick is my favorite. Which one's Nick? Nick is the podcaster turned hockey player. And I just think that that actor is pitch perfect in that role. Maxwell Simpkins, he is just spot on. He's got great delivery, comedic timing, and is just the sweetest freaking thing. Nice. 
it's a good cast it's a it's a good cast of characters they're all standouts you know i'm just a sucker for the little weirdos yeah yeah aren't we all (laughs) brady noon is a is an excellent lead i feel like we saw that that spark from him in the good boys and this is kind of just proving that he he is a star and he's probably going to headline many more things beyond this good boys always gets my vote for the movie i never laughed I expected to laugh that hard at yeah in a million years i enjoyed that one quite a bit all All right right. last story for the week yeah we've got a clip from ghostbusters afterlife i am hoping you guys watched this already go check it out if you haven't but it is i i would say this is a pretty smart place for this uh marketing campaign to have started clip wise this is the first clip right believe yeah it's the first clip look if there's anything else it would have come out like what a year and a half two years ago and it's fair from my memory but i I think this is the first clip yeah but this this introduces uh mini puffs yeah like what better way to you know melt people's hearts and want to see this movie because i want a mini puffed they're pretty pretty darling i will say that a funny side effect of this being in a supermarket was i couldn't stop thinking of the uh damn it now i can't remember the title the sausage movie with seth rogan animated sausage party yes. sausage party <laughs> yeah oh like sausage party could be happening in the aisle next door yeah, exactly <laughs> that's fair all right here's here's an important question of all of the mini puffs we meet in this clip, which one do you want to be and why? Oh, well, I know that you have an answer. I, didn't I do. Paired with an answer. I, I want to be I want to be the one enjoying a heated blanket in the form of a chocolate bar, because if I could just I don't know, like if I could lay under a blanket of melted chocolate, I think I'd be really happy. I know that's the only as good long as I'm not eating after. I knew it was your answer, so I couldn't steal it. Yeah, you can, you can, no, you can take that one too. It's a, it's a pretty pleasant situation. That little guy. I am very fascinated by the puffs that are on the fiery grill and seem very happy about it. I've been time in their life just getting roasted. Seriously. So I guess that's different from Sausage Party. These, these little, little nuggets are sadists or masochists. (laughs) Maybe both. I kind of like, I hope they run with that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a fun way to show like the the effects taking over a town in a different way. Um, and it's another one of those things where I don't want to like read too much into such a little bit of something, but I was entertained and charmed and who doesn't love Paul Rudd? I'm ser- seriously, I don't know what could be more entertaining and charming, mini pups or Paul Rudd. And right. when you combine them together, it's just an explosion of that. <laughs> that was that was like the perfect lineup ever i think we hit an hour exactly today yes it was meant to be all these stories were meant to go in your ear holes today i'm so glad i really was a little worried by the uh the extent of it but i guess it helps when some things are just like that's a neat poster and next well that that and we had our (laughs) groupings today which helped yes yes. strategy (laughs) well we have to extend it for just another minute or two to plug our cool stuff. Plugs. What are you working on? What am I working on? Well, um, working on some some more streaming guides as usual. Those go up every weekend. I tell Very you, very helpful what's content. What's good on what service? 
Um, this month on Amazon, we're getting Unhinged, which I never got to see last year, so I will be intrigued to finally mm. watch Russell Crowe go fully unhinged. Uh, also, uh, of your relevant to your interests, Spontaneous is hitting streaming. So. What? What yeah. service? I believe Amazon and Hulu. Oh, no. Yep. I'm going to watch it too much. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I got um, a lot of shit to watch this week. So yeah, that's mostly what I'm actually working on is watching a lot of stuff. Cool, cool. I know you've got really actually fun things to, to prop up. So let's do it. I, I have fun things and like your utilities are hands down the most useful things right now. Seriously. Prop prop those utilities up as they should be. <laughs> I've I, got... I, I seek to help people not spend so much damn time scrolling. That's my goal such a vital service to provide <laughs> now more than ever <laughs> i'll give you guys the brand new episode of collider ladies night that is going to hit the site on saturday depending on when when you're listening to this episode it is with margaret Cho. it's for the brand new documentary hysterical which you could watch on fx on hulu it's a good documentary too i watched it and i i really did dig it. So I highly recommend that, but go watch the interview with Margaret. Please do Do. click and, you know, click the like and share and all that good stuff. That's what we've got for you. Nice. We're out of here. Yeah. You guys uh, enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next Friday. You have officially survived the witching hour. Bye.